to listeners, I mean, it's, it really is all about like, first of all, you have to decide and you have to believe that you can achieve it, whatever you're putting your mind to. You have value and there are other people that don't want to do what you're doing, that you like doing. And it can change. Like you said, you know, in the beginning, I wanted to do it all. And then now I'm 52. We, my wife and I bought an RV. We want to travel. Like, I don't want to do it all. You know, I want somebody else to, to run the day to day. In this episode, I talk with Darren Batchelder. Darren is a multifamily investor with over 9,000 units. He's a published author and podcast host. We discuss how he transitioned from loan trading to real estate investing, how he went from his first deal as a duplex to investing in a 76 unit multifamily property, the proper way that you should approach seeking to partner with experienced real estate investors, and we touch on the real estate market outlook over the next 12 to 18 months. I hope you enjoy. Now, here's the show. How you doing, Darren? Very good, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have you on. Um, let's just kind of jump right into it. You you have an interesting journey and in, in how you got into real estate. You, know, you definitely did a lot of stuff before um, getting into the real estate industry, but it seems like loan trading was right. um, kind of your your starting path into the real estate industry and you've you've traded like four billion dollars or over four billion dollars in in loans can you explain a little bit like what is loan trading and how you how you found yourself trading loans sure so um if you've ever had a mortgage and all of a sudden you got a letter saying hey next month don't send your payment to ABC bank, but send it to XYZ bank. Mm -hmm. There was probably a salesperson that sold a large portfolio of loans from one bank to another bank. And so that's basically what I was doing. I, I was on a, working for AB and AMRO, uh, Dutch bank. Um, this is back 2002, 2006 and trading large portfolios of residential and uh, multifamily loans. And so, you know, the reasons for some banks are really good at raising deposits and they have a lot of deposits, but they don't have enough loans. So they'll buy loans from somebody that's really good at making loans. And so they, they, the, the seller will book the loans as a gain and the buyer um, looks at the loans as, as an investment in their portfolio. Yeah. I, I remember when I bought my house, um, my, my first, actually I bought investment houses before I ever bought my own personal residence. But when I, when I bought it and you go through all that paperwork and I swear it wasn't 90 days before I got that letter. I'm like, well, what's going on? Like I talked right. to you, but now I got to talk to this other person. I was like, right. Some on? people like take it personally. Like what, what is, what did, what did I do wrong? I paid on time. It's not anything personal that it's just one bank had a different need than the other bank. Yeah. And it seems like Wells Fargo is one of those big players where, um, and Bank of America too, where, you know, they, they tend to buy up a lot of those loans. So you have all these originators on the lower level, the, essentially they're sales folks, right? Um, they're out there selling money and, but they're doing it in a way that conforms to the standards that the larger banks want. So they can just package them up and sell them. Right. That, that... Absolutely. Yep. So how did you find yourself going from that to actually, uh, you know, jumping on to the investing side of real estate? Yeah. So it was interesting. Um, I'm older than you are. I'm 52. I got involved in the real estate game probably 47. So about five years ago. And, you know, I, so after I left ABN and AMRO, I started my own company. I still have that company that trades loans. So, um, but I heard 
years for years, presidents and chief lending officers tell me they love the performance of multifamily loans, both in up markets and in down markets. And, you know, I heard it year after year after year, but I didn't go out and buy any real estate. So finally, at the age of 47, I told my wife, I'm like, man, I'm going to go out and buy some real estate. And so we bought a duplex and then I wanted to go bigger. And so I joined a mentorship group in Dallas and then did a 76 unit syndication. And then, you know, I've been doing partnering with other folks that have been uh, 200, 300 unit type deals. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. One thing leads to the other. So you went from more as a job on the real estate side into owning a duplex and then straight into large multifamily. That's a, that's a pretty, pretty big jump. Yeah. So the biggest thing I would, I would tell you and your listeners is, is that, you know, surround yourself with other people that do have done what you want to do. So when I joined the mentorship group, all of a sudden I was in a room with a bunch of people that had done hundred unit, 200 unit, 300 unit deals and multiple ones. And I was like, these are smart people, but you know, if they can do it, I can do it. Right. And I didn't even know that that existed, but once I was in the room, it opened my eyes and I was like, I can do this, you know? And so then I just put my focus to it. And, and, um, but if, you know, if you just surround yourself with people that have not invested in real estate, it's very hard to believe that you can achieve that. Yeah. And I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And I think what Stephen Covey says, you're the, you're the average of the five people you hang around with the most. Um, and Tony Robbins likes to say proximity is power. And uh, I shared in a newsletter a couple of weeks ago that proximity of power is power. It's not that difficult to do. I mean, there are free meetups all over most metro areas that you can get in proximity with people that are doing what you want to do or have been where you're trying to go. Um, and then there are mastermind programs and, and coaching programs that um, you'll pay to get into those rooms. But, you know, typically there there's also a higher caliber of folk. Um, you know, people that are in those groups, right? Uh, absolutely. And, and I was a pay, pay to play, you know, I joined a, a paid mentorship group and, you know, some people were like, Darren, man, why are you doing that? You have all this experience trading loans. And I'm like, yeah, but I've never bought an apartment complex, you know? So, um, that's who I want to be around. And, and, uh, you know, I probably could have done it without being in that group, but it probably would have taken, you know, it took me a year to get my first syndication deal closed. And it probably would have taken me three or four or five, you know. And, and was I that felt, as you as operator? Um, that was me. I partnered with another gentleman that I met in the multifamily group, mm -hmm. um, uh, Raj Gupta out of Chicago. And um, he had the experience that I didn't have buying apartment uh, complexes. And um, so we partnered on that. And then we raised capital um, for that for that deal and from other limited partners. Can you... Elaborate a little bit more on that because it, the a phrase I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times, probably every week. Can I pick your brain? And <laughs> uh, what I usually tell folks is, uh, instead of saying that, when you say, "How can I help you?" Um, and, and, and approach it from a, from a value standpoint. So, how did you get to a position where you can partner with someone who was experienced and probably didn't need your help um, since you didn't have the experience? Now, maybe you had money that you were bringing in and connections, but 
how did you approach that situation where you were coming in a position of value where it was a mutual relationship and you can both both win on that deal together? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. When I first started in that mentorship group, I kind of played the uh, hey, I'm a good guy, like let's partner together, you know. And I had a lot of people that were like, Yeah, Darren, you know, over a beer or whatever, like, yeah, we'll we'll partner together, you know, when the right opportunity comes, we'll and it just didn't come right, and and I finally had somebody that kind of smacked me in the face a little bit, like, and and she was like, it's exactly what you said, like Darren, if I have a deal, why am I going to partner with you? I'm going to partner with that guy over there. He's got, you know, eight deals under his belt, and he's he can raise capital and this and that the other thing. And I was like, holy cow! So why would you ever partner with a new guy like me? And she's like, go find the deal. And so that's when, when I pivoted, I, I realized that that's the value I could bring was I go do all the legwork. And so that's what I did. So I would, I would underwrite the deals. I would go out on the property tours. I would, you know, um, contact the property management companies, get the quotes for the lender. So I pretty much put everything together. Um, and then when I approached Raj Gupta, the, my experience partner in the deal, I was like, look, I've got, I'm, I'm in, you know, I think I have a really good chance of winning this deal. You know, do you want to partner with me? He's like, send over the information. I had everything done, you know, so you know, 45 minute conversation. And he's like, yeah, I'm in, I have another property down the road. I'm, you know, I know that area I'm in. And so, so that was the value was going and doing the legwork. So, you know, I say to listeners, like, it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. You have value. You just have to figure out what it is. You know, is, do you want to do the hustle factor? Do you have the money? Do you have the connections? You know, you have something. Yeah. And so were you leveraging your mortgage contacts um, on, on finding that deal or were you using like a different strategy of you were just hustling, contacting owners and, and brokers? So in the, in the large scale multifamily business, the brokers pretty much control like 80% of the market. Yep. So, um, you know, I, I found out who the brokers were in, in the Dallas, I wanted to be in the Dallas market. Um, that's where I live. And so I found out who the brokers were. And then I started to underwrite every deal that these brokers were coming out with. And then when I found a deal that looked attractive, then I would reach out to them and, and go out and, um, do a property tour and, you know, and then decide after that, whether I was going to continue to pursue it. Yeah. And you can do that. I mean, anyone can do that. Um, anyone so it's ultimately it's that. just, if you want, if you're wanting to break into multifamily, whether you're in single family already and you have some real estate experience or you're brand new, it's just finding that value that you can have. Now, almost anyone is going to be wanting a deal. Um, but there are other things too. Um, I, I had an operator and, uh, you know, she had a deal in Houston. She didn't live in Houston. She was like, Hey, can you go check this out? Give me your feedback. And, you know, if we win, you know, we'll partner with you on it. And it was something she needed and she needed it quickly. Um, and we were, so you were to boots on the ground for that person. That's, yeah. that's another way of value for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just, just finding that niche. Um, 
so that was a 72 unit? 76 unit, yeah. Okay. And then, so from there, you went into much larger <laughs> multifamily properties or, or, or were they Yeah, so from, so from there, and, and so my partner asked me, like, you know, what, how do you want the roles to be divided? You know, what, what are you looking to do? What are you looking uh, for for me? And I was like, look, this is my first syndication deal. I really want to do everything um, and have you be like my board of directors looking out over my shoulder, make sure I don't make any big mistakes. And, and he was, he was great. I mean, he let me run with, with most things. And, and if he thought I was going to go down, you know, sometimes I would say, Hey, this is what I'd like to do in this situation. He'd be like, I think you may want to consider this. And I would think about it. I'm like, Oh, that's smart. Let's do that. Um, but after I did that, you know, that syndication, I looked back and said, you know, what, what do I want for my life? What do I want my life to look like going forward? Um, what do I enjoy doing? What do I not enjoy doing? And so for me, I looked at the syndication and I'm glad I did everything, but I don't like operations. I don't like the day to day. So, you know, doing the weekly asset management call, I don't love that. Um, doing reviewing K-1s and tax returns at the end of the year. I don't love that. Sending out the monthly, you know, investor email. I don't love that. So I was like, well, how can I still be involved in these deals? I like these deals, um, but not do that. And I was like, well, I'll go partner with other syndicators. And so that's where the last eight deals I've done have been where the syndicator gets the deal on the contract and says, hey, Darren, do you want to partner on this? And then I jump in and I, I'm a part, I'm one of the GPs in the deal. And, um, I enjoy that because I'm involved in deals. I'm involved in the beginning. I help raise capital, bring in, uh, you know, I have investors that want to get into these deals, but they, they're busy professionals and they don't know everybody. So it's like, I'm, I'm able to get, give them access to something that they couldn't get into, uh, without me. And so it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And essentially, that is the same question that we started out this interview with, with how can you provide value? So initially, it was how can you provide value? And but it was more on the operator side. Now right. it's okay, I, I know that I know what I like and don't like, how can I provide value and not be involved in operations? And now it's a, it's a little bit more on, on the capital side and more strategic planning and, and investment advice. Right, exactly. And, and so you know, to, to listeners, I mean, it's, it really is all about like, first of all, you have to decide and you have to believe that you can achieve it, right? Whatever you, whatever you're putting your mind to. Um, but you have value and there are other people that don't want to do what you're doing, you know, that you like doing, and it can change. Like you said, you know, in the beginning, I wanted to do it all. And then now I'm 52. We, my wife and I bought an RV. We want to travel. Like I don't want to do it all. You know, I want somebody else to, to run the day to day. What are some things going into that first large multifamily that you thought would be true and ended up being very much not true? Um, you know, some, some people in the space say, if you find the right deal, money will just be there magically. Like that, I don't think is true. I think that. I think that you need to, you know, build relationships. You can have the best deal in the world if you don't have strong relationships with people where they know, like, and trust you. They're they're not going to do that deal. 
So, you know, raising capital, um, you know, you can start early um, going out to your contacts. And some, so some people have said, hey, Darren, man, well, I don't have the experience. How am I going to go to my network? <clears throat> and I'm like, don't sell you. You know, you're going you're gonna to partner with a property management company that has 5,000 units in your market. You're going to partner with a, you know, an attorney that that's all they do is SEC syndication type multifamily deals. You're going to partner with an experienced guy, you know, so you sell the fact that, yeah, you, you know, they know that you haven't done a deal yet. Right. But you're like, Hey, show them a deal, what a deal looks like, you know, and you don't, so you don't even have to have a live deal, you know, Hey, I'm looking for things that look like this and I'm partnering with companies like this. And then all of a sudden people are like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. It's Multifamily is definitely, definitely, I mean, really all real estate investing is a team sport, but uh, it's absolutely true once you get into larger projects like like multifamily. So um, leveraging other people's success, which you did initially as operations, um, but anyone can do and should do, even if you haven't done a deal, because um, ultimately it's those relationships and, and, and that team is really going to be taking down the deal, not any one individual. Right. And, and the other thing is that, Look, everybody is at different levels, you know, like, um, you know, people going after their first deal. Some people want to get a 20 unit deal, a 50 unit deal, hundred unit, you know, somebody's already got 3000 units, you know, there's, there's people at all different facets, but what people have to understand is, you know, there are people in your network that can't relate to somebody that maybe has 3000 units already. So they don't want to learn from that person. They want to learn from the person that is just going after their first deal. So, you know, some people think to themselves, I'm, I, I don't want to post on social media or I don't want to tell my friends and family because I haven't done it yet. I want to tell them after I've done it. But those people in those network, they want to see how you, how you did it, your journey. So share your journey. That's a, I literally just, I don't think it's posted yet, but it was, it was a clip. So I'll be posting it soon on TikTok and it's an event um, that we did a few years ago where people are afraid to tell their journey because they're not Grant Cardone yet, or they haven't done, right. uh, you know, a thousand units or maybe a hundred unit multifamily, or they haven't bought, you know, 20 single families. At the end of the day, and catch me if you can, he talked about, he taught this class and it was like, how, how did you teach this class and do it proficiently? He was like, I just had to be one or two chapters ahead of the students. So right. wherever you are in life, you're one or two, one or two chapters ahead of someone. So it's not really your right to judge the knowledge that you put out and your experience that you put out because someone out there will get value from it. Not everyone but someone will. And it's that connection um, that really makes an impact. And then you just do that consistently as you grow. People love watching that. that it's uh, so true. You hit it on the head. As an LP um, investor or partnering um, with, with other operators, what, what are some things that you're seeing in, or let's phrase it this way. When you make a decision to partner with an operator, what are maybe the one or two things that really stand out that you have confidence and they know what they're doing. And then on the flip side, 
what are a couple things that you typically see as red flags and um, it's, it's going to make it harder for you to be able to work with them. So, you know, everybody's going to have different um, criteria. Um, I'm for the way I look at it is first, the market, second, the people, third, the deal. So I want to be in strong growth markets. So Arizona, Texas, Florida, Georgia, Carolinas, Nashville, uh, Colorado. So those are the kind of markets that I focus in on. If it's not in that market, I don't really care if it's a, you know, really strong operator. I'm not looking at the deal. Um, now they could be great deals. That's just my criteria. Um, second is the people, you know, do they have a good track record and do I, do I know them? Like I'm, I'm really not doing deals with people that I either don't know personally um, and when I say no, I'm not saying for like a month. I mean, most likely I've known them for the last two or three years. Um, or I know people that know them and they have a really strong reputation. Um, so that's kind of what I'm focused on first to kind of get in the game. And then when I look at the deal, you know, I want them, I want to have because I come from the financing background, I want, I want to really understand the loan. Um, you know, there's, that's a big factor and a lot, a lot of deals are, are getting hurt right now because of interest rates going up. Um, and I'm in some of those deals. I, I knew the risk and I, and I chose to do the deal anyway, um, because as an LP, because I, you know, I knew the operator and wanted to, to get into that deal, but I knew the risk and you know, it's biting the deal. It's hurting cash flow because interest rates are going up. Um, uh, red flags. I don't really look at red, you know, red flags as much because I now I get a lot of deals that come through my desk. So it's more about which deals am I going to do than than oh I'm I'm totally staying away from this one. But um, you know, things like if you're you know, the financing is, is a piece for me. And you know, the thing about this business is that some people are going to like Chris Bounds and some people are going to like Darren Batchelder, you know, and some people are going to, so there's some people, some syndicators I just click with better. Mm -hmm. uh, the performance on somebody else might be fantastic. They have a great track record, but I just don't click with that person as much. Yeah. And so I don't want to do business, you know, and, it's not just about the return. It's about, you know, liking the people you're doing business with. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you're in a partnership agreement. I mean, you're, you're, it's temporary three, five, seven, 10 years, but that's a marriage. And yeah, I mean, as an LP, you know, it's, you don't really have that much control once you, you know, wire the funds you're, you're getting, you're reading an email. You can, you can call and ask questions and whatnot, but you don't really have that much input into the day-to-day -day operations. Um, but you know, when you get in, you want to know that you're working with people that will pick up your call, mm -hmm. you know, and that people that, you know, care about you and care about your, the, your the investment capital that you're putting into the deal, you know? So, um, that's what I focus on. Um, final question before we get into closing is um, sure. market outlook. Um, I'm sure your crystal ball is broken. Mine's been broken for a while. Um, 
but we've you know feds fighting inflation and they've uh, been very adamant on doing everything they can to get inflation down to like two percent um at least from my observation it seemed like maybe they thought they were on the right track and then boom numbers pick back up again um which at least on the single family side you know, we've seen mortgages pick back up um, i mean it's not 100 percent correlative but um it, you know, it, it, there is some relation. So, wh where are you seeing the multifamily market over the next 18, 24 months? As far as well, let's not let's not go that far out. Um, maybe 12, 18 months. Um, as far as valuations and buyer sentiment, this whole bridge gap between um, seller expectations and buyer expectations. Um, what are you seeing? So I talked to a lot of syndicators. A lot of syndicators seem to think that in the next six to nine months, there's going to be a, a lot of deals that are going to be coming to market that are in trouble because bridge loans uh, were provided on these deals and they were two or three year bridge loans and they're going to be coming due and with interest rates going up, they're, they're not going to be able to refinance. And so they're going to have to sell at a discount. Um, that very well could happen. I don't, I'm, I'm not really sitting there, you know, thinking that that's hanging my hat, that that's going to happen. Um, and look, all investments are cyclical. I know I've, I've seen real estate go down and when it goes down, it typically stays down for, you know, one, two, three years. Um, but what I've seen since being involved in this market is that, I'm a believer like longer term, medium to longer term, that multifamily is just a fantastic asset class. So that's why I want to have a loan on the deal that's at least five years out. So I can, if it goes down, you can ride through that down period and come out the other side. Um, but I'm a, I'm a big believer that multifamily asset values will continue to rise. We may have a dip that comes, but so I'm still bullish on it. You know, there's a huge affordability gap right now. Um, what does that mean? It's the it's the gap between okay, if you were to buy a house and put twenty percent down and and um, you know get a seven percent mortgage, what would your payment be versus you know what would it cost to rent? Yep. And you know it's at all time highs right now. That that difference. So I think that you're going to have you know, more people that are going to choose to rent because they don't even have, they don't have the cash down or it's too costly to, to buy. And then if we go into a recession, what happens during recessions? Well, people lose their jobs. They can't afford the mortgage. They sell the house and then they have to go and rent, you know? So I'm a believer that, you know, fundamentals support uh, multifamily going forward, but I'm also a realist that there could be, you know, a downturn. Yeah, um, that, that's kind of been my sentiment. It's the the long term outlook seems very favorable, just with supply and demand, and and just basic fundamentals with housing and affordability. But um, the short term, um, I mean, debt's really the challenge. Is is yeah, that's the debt. that's the challenge. And um, you know, what I've seen people getting deals done today are, you know, a lot of people are doing deals with you know, uh, assuming yep. the loans on other deals. Mm -hmm. And what I would tell listeners is, you know, 
it's probably a great time for first time investors because there's not as much competition. There's a lot of people that have pulled back and they're like, Hey, I don't, you know, I'm going to wait until the dust settles. Well, when the dust settles, everybody piles back in. And then you as the first time investor are going to be at the back of the line. Like the broker is not going to pick you, but right now they're spending time with, with a lot more buying groups because there's, you know, a lot of people have backed off. Yeah. I would imagine that'd be especially true with small multifamily, um, you know, with mom and pop owners too, especially owners yeah, that are retiring. Absolutely. absolutely. I'm, and it, you know, I'm, I'm not in that creative finance world. Um, but you know, in the small multifamily, I mean, it may be an opportunity to, to get sellers to do seller financing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to put less money down and you get into the deal, you solve their problem. They want to get out and they, they can't because of the finance markets and, and, um, you give them their price, but you know, they, they do seller financing. Yep. All right. So, um, these final four questions asked to everyone, um, okay. starting off, if you could give advice to your 20 year old self, what would that be? Buy real estate. My son is about to graduate A&M and I'm like, I'm, I heard this on another podcast, which I, I wish I had done this. Um, they said, you know, you're only a first time home buyer once, right? And you can get an FHA loan for like three and a half percent down. Well, rather than going buying your first house or go and buy a duplex or threeplex or fourplex, live in one unit. You only have to live in it for a year and you can move out. And now you have your first investment property right out of the gate with three and a half percent down. Yeah. Where in, you know, typically you're, you're asked to bring in 20% or more. Yeah. Yeah. The house hacking model. I mean, you can do that with single family too. The house hacking where you're a live in flip, man, I would never want to personally do that, but um, I know people have done that. And then two years later or whatever the, the rules are on the mortgage, then sell it tax free gains, do it again. I mean, it, it's just crazy when, you know, if you're 20 t- something years old, I'm 52, like 30 some odd years of compounding gains. Like that's, crazy you know i i recently was in florida and i i saw somebody that was in my neighborhood that my old neighborhood and they said you know what your house is worth now and we sold it for like 430 and it's a million dollar house now yeah. <laughs> had i just held on and rented it you know that's better not to look at those numbers <laughs> 600 grand yeah but as that's what i would tell my 20 year old self buy real estate yes for yeah. sure what book or books have greatly influenced your life? And I love to read. Um, there's so many books. Um, I recently did an interview with the co-author of um, The Go-Giver. That was, that was a great book. That was a, it was written as a parable. Um, basically, you know, was talking about giving is better than receiving. You know, if you, if you give to, to people, they're more apt to want to help you and, and give you what you want. So, um, that's a great book and it's a very easy read. I've heard of it. Um, I haven't read that. Um, have you read giftology? No. Is that a good one? Very good one. Um, it, 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 it approaches it a little bit more on the sales, um, standpoint, but it's the same thing. Um, it's, it's the same, same concept of reciprocity, but, um, it's, it's, it's very tactical. Um, in the last five years, what new blade, in the last five years, what new behavior, belief, or habit has most improved your life? Mm. 
That's interesting. So when I read books, I'm trying to grab like, you know, some nuggets from them and then actually not just read it and be like, oh, that's great, but actually apply it to mm -hmm. my life. Right. And so, um, you know, I'm trying to, you know, one of them I, I recently read was um, Hal Elrod's uh, book, Miracle Morning. Yep. And I bought the book and I didn't really, I didn't read it for a long time because I kind of thought it was going to be like, get up, make your bed. You're going to feel good about yourself, you know? And, and I just didn't want, I didn't want to read that book. Yeah. Um, but instead it was, it was great because it kind of structured your, your morning in like four or five different areas. And so I started to form that habit of doing that. And I incorporated reading one chapter of the Bible. Um, in that. And, um, you know, just having structure in the morning is very helpful. I find. Yeah. No, I, I found that book very impactful. It's tactical. It's, it's, it's a fast read, but, um, yeah, love that book. How can people reach out to you? Um, two ways. Uh, if you want to, I have a podcast also, if you want to, um, learn about the podcast, you can go to darrenbatchelder.com. Um, if you are interested in, investing in multifamily as a limited partner, you can go to dbprivateequity.com. Love it. Thank you very much, Darren. And uh, look forward to meeting with you in person since we're not too far away. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Another Texan. So I look forward to it. So I appreciate you uh, having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for tuning in. If you got any value out of this at all, please like, comment, subscribe, follow. I'd love to hear from you. And for more real estate related content, market observations, upcoming events, you can go to investedx.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. I promise you won't regret it. Thanks again.